Hey guys, Ryan DeMint from Chasing Happiness Podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful today. Excuse me, a wonderful day. Man, I'm already starting off. I need more coffee, guys. Today's guest, Kevin Cahill, and I think I'm close on it because I was mispronouncing it. Excuse me, geez, mispronouncing it earlier. So a little bit about Kevin. Kevin empowers individuals, organizations to embrace change and move confidently ahead despite challenges and their critics. Kevin is an international best-selling author, change management specialist, and motivational speaker. A native of Ontario, Canada, Kevin holds a biomedical science degree and in the past worked his way to the top 1% of financial planners by qualifying for the Million Dollar Roundtable since his first year in business. Kevin, welcome to the show. It's absolutely wonderful to be here with you, Ryan, and thank you for having me. If I could read and be able to speak today, hopefully we can get through this and it's not that big of a fumble, but you know what? <laughs> That's what recordings are for. We can edit it out or it might just stay in. I don't know. We'll just see how it sounds, but let's, let's, get, let's jump right into it. A little bit about who you are and then we'll get into what you're doing and see where we go from there. Sounds great, Ryan. I really do love the topic of your podcast and I find that is the eternal question for most humans is chasing happiness. And it is one where it was a big part of my own journey. And I started young. My story really started even before I was born. My father quit drinking two years before I was born. And it wasn't a pretty story. It was definitely a very traumatic and dark story. But nonetheless, my parents' marriage survived. And two years later, I came into the world. And one of those aspects that you think someone is on the right path towards happiness, towards joy. And when I was three years old, he was crushed by an elevator. He was an elevator mechanic. So I grew up with a disabled oh, wow. father. He was home all the time, which be, was a blessing and a curse and something that I didn't really truly realize until he was gone. He passed away. 13 years ago this week. And when I hit my adult life, I thought I was checking all the boxes, full six figure dollars a year career, big fancy house, fancy car, building my own business. But the universe definitely stepped in and nudged me gently. The silent nudge eventually became the silent kick that became the silent sledgehammer over the head until I started to pay attention to what the universe actually had in store for me. So I'm sorry for your loss of your father and that's gotta be tough, but it sounds like you have a lot of things that you've learned and you're gonna share. So I, I really would like to get into that. But the one thing I wanted to circle back on that you said was the universe nudged you. I love that because you're not just going after those material things. It sounds like you're going after life things. And that can be a whole nother conversation we have also. A hundred percent. And I firmly believe that we're all put on this earth to learn a lesson and we'll keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again until we learn that lesson. And ultimately that lesson has very little to do with material possessions or status or titles before a name or letters after a name. It really comes with a bigger connection to that greater power that really controls everything we're here to do. I had a guest on probably about a month and a half ago, and he talked a little bit about financial purpose and how that's a higher being, that's a higher calling. I think we're on that topic now. And it's amazing how many people do go after those material things, but don't realize until you actually don't have them, you can actually live without them. And 
I had to learn that the hard way. Like you did, you were nudged. I think I was a little more than nudged. I had two failed businesses, $100,000 in debt. A little more of the nudge. It was a little kick in the tuchus. And I learned to live without a lot of things. And today, a roof over my head, bills paid, money in the bank, be able to help others, healthy and happy are my main ingredients. And after that, everything else is a bonus. A hundred percent and completely agree. And we, our society tells us that we need to be more, we need to achieve more, do more, swifter, stronger, higher. We're bombarded with a fire hose of information at every single turn, whether it be TV or radio or the internet. And the reality is so many people chase, but then the best stories are those that really start with, I lost everything and then I learned. Almost yes. every great mystic, every great story, every great novel, every great speaker, they all have that same phrase. I was in the gutter of life. I was at the end of my rope. I was at my breaking point. And that's when life really became magical. Isn't it amazing how that happens? And it's, I don't know how to say this other than technology is great, but it also has a downside to it. And what we see on social media on a daily basis is really played into that fact where people think that they can put out a video and they'll go viral and they're going to be millionaires. And they don't realize that hard work and effort that you have to put into social media to get people to follow you or to engage with you is a lot of work. It's all that work that you do below the waterline as an entrepreneur, small business owner, whatever you want to say, maybe just in life as a normal employee, but that's life in general. And I think we've lost a lot of that ability to work hard. And it's, I think it's been here since the dawn of time. And one throughout my journey, I've had the privilege of being able to read almost all of this spiritual texts that are out there. And one of the books that I happen to really resonate with is the book of Job in the Bible. And it starts out with a lamentation of basically yelling at God of where were you and what were you doing? And how come you allowed all this to happen to me? Halfway through the God character in the story really then says, shut up. Where were you when I created the world? Where were you when I created this master plan? You have no idea what the whole thing is unfolding. And just let it go. And then there becomes this rejoiceful end to it. And I find that's exactly my passion now as I speak about change and I speak about the four questions that circuambulate all systems of life. And up here in Canada, we're really blessed with the four seasons. And how do you prepare for change? How do you go through suffering? How do you learn to accept joy out of suffering? And most importantly, how do you mature and serve? Because we are an arrogant species. We are standing on this rock that's been around for four and a half billion years, hurtling through space at 67,000 miles an hour. And yet we think we can control our destiny. But we have no control because at any moment in time, this all could be done or this all could be taken away from us despite our best intentions. And the pieces that we actually put in our lives, and I say pieces, it should be how we actually create our lives is very much different than when we go back to the creation of the Bible and when God made Adam and Eve and going back to that, we've complicated our lives. We are a consumer being, I get that. But at the same time, 
you can be happy with less and then be able to help others. And I think that's where that resonated with my prior guest where he talked about financial purpose. He said, when I, when I realized, cause he was a mortgage broker, he went, he had his downturn. He went through the downturn here in the States, 2007, 2008, lost everything, became an alcoholic, sat on his dad's couch for, I think he said six months and then finally realized I have a higher calling and he went out in his dad's backyard and all of a sudden he heard the voice and he said, this is what you need to do and started working through that process. When he started focusing on that purpose and what he could help people with was helping other mortgage brokers not lose their businesses, helping realtors with their sales, all of a sudden his world changed and he found not just abundance in his bank account, he found abundance in life by helping others that have been in that same situation. And he didn't know until that happened that it was his calling. And from that point on, he says, I've never stopped. It's just kept on going and going. And it's the most rewarding thing he's ever done in his life. And that's huge. That's inspirational to me because I know being at the bottom of the barrel or at that last moment of, oh shit, I got to do something sucks. But then once you come out of it and you crawl out of it and you have other people at your table that have done those things and help you and you guys work as one, it's a huge way to make an impact on, on, on this world. Completely agree. And the story you just shared is not unlike my own and not unlike so many other stories that have helped me through my darkest moments. When I think back to 2013, 10 years ago, in that summer, making almost a million dollars a year gross, this very successful business, running upstairs, wearing my Birkenstocks, slipped, fell, smashed my head on the concrete step and was left reeling with post-concussion syndrome with effects I still feel to this day, but it really took me almost a year and a half to retool my life. But when you're making a million dollars a year, you also have the expenses that go along with a million dollars a year. And I wasn't working and the expenses kept carrying on and quarter million dollars in debt later, forced into bankruptcy. But it was that ego check of being able to say, I give up, I completely surrender. I have no more control. I need to focus on getting better. But as I talked about the universal whispers become the universal nudge and the universal kick, eventually I recovered and decided that time my third book, wanted to write a book to pay homage to my father. And I wrote the book and it became a bestseller. And I went on a speaking tour and all these things were going well. And then I was diagnosed with cancer. But I remember being in the doctor's office that day, November of 2015, when the oncologist said, you have cancer, I really just looked up to the heavens above and I said, I get it. I finally, I will get out of my way. I will hand it over to you. I surrender. And ever since that day, obviously life is still challenged in certain ways, but it's been so much easier. And I'm currently reading Bono, the lead singer of U2, his newest autobiography that came out called 40, 40 Songs, Journey and Surrender. And the whole book is really about that, is when he got out of his way, that's when the universe was able to speak to him and through him to be able to create some of the most iconic songs, but also led him into being a global activist for poverty and for human rights. It just is so fascinating because his story, the story you shared, your story, my story, it really highlights that we're all one. We're all mm -hmm. on this journey. We're all really here to help each other get home 
a little safer and a little bit more filled with love, compassion, and empathy. So how did that lead you? So where did that take you from that point in 2015? What was brought into your, I call it your realm, your universe. What, what changed? In 2013, right around the same time that I uh, fell, a blog I had written about my father a couple of years earlier got picked up on the Care2 network and was shared on Huffington Post and millions and millions of people saw it. Whether they read it or not, I don't know. And that was what inspired me to start writing. So I continued to write. And in 2015, my philosophy was I wanted to, my father was my hero. And I wanted to, with my, with my ability, I wanted to help others shine their light on their heroes. And so I set out around the world to interview people about who inspired them to think bigger and dream larger. But right before the book went to the publisher, I decided to interview people who knew my father. And I discovered stories that I didn't even know. And so although I set out to help people build a bridge between themselves and their heroes, I ended up building a bridge between my father, who had been gone for two years at that point, and myself. And so when I was diagnosed with cancer and then had to have surgery and recovery, I kept writing. I never stopped writing because journaling was my way of dealing with all of the emotions that were going on inside of me, in my heart, in my soul, in my head. And I kept writing. I, two years later, I had this Word document with 250, 300,000 words. And I realized when I was re reading it one day quickly, there was a cadence to it. There was a pattern to it. And that pattern, that cadence is exactly what all of us on this earth do. At some point, we are going to be thrown in to the fire. We're going to be thrown in to the shit pile at the corner of the garden. And we need to figure a way out of it. And no matter how much we try and put a Band-Aid over it or put duct tape over it until we actually deal with the issues that cause the problem, we're never going to be able to move forward. And you spoke earlier about the pieces of life. And that really was one of earlier talks when I first recovered and was back speaking again, the Jenga block of life. And we're so knows what a Jenga block is. And that really was my journey, but so many others where piece by piece, little things in society and our community were pulling at me and resulted in a block coming out. And eventually that, that Jenga block completely tumbled. But what I tried to do in 10, 12 years ago is instead of putting it back together, I really just tried to duct tape it back together. I tried to make it work. But again, it all just kept crumbling down. And it wasn't until I really took ownership and investigated every single element of my current situation, but also my past. Until I looked at all of that, I wasn't able to build it back secure, much like the, the fable of the, the three pigs, one builds our house out of straw, the other out of sticks and the other out of bricks. It's such a great metaphor for life because there's going to be that wolf that is going to huff and puff and blow our house down. And until we build up a 
strong and secure mental, physical, spiritual house, it's just going to keep crumbling down over and over again. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing once we figure out what we're, what our calling is and what we need to do is we're, we're able to go after it. But a lot of us, and this is a question that I'm, I pose a lot of my guests is, why do we all fight it? What maybe you can talk from yourself of why did you fight that process and not just let it happen? A big part was, and I don't know who the or speaker I once heard say this, that ego really is short for edge got out. And I think that was a big part of it as I thought, I truly thought that I could control how hard I worked and how hard I worked would result in how much wealth and status and things that I've accumulated. The, the whole aspect of getting in my own way. But that's basically told to us from the time we are born. We are bombarded again with messages from our parents and from cartoons, TV shows, our school system, which is definitely, we have this incredible problem, this mental health crisis that almost is gripping the entire world because we have separated ourselves from the present moment. We are spending so much time anxious and scared about the future or angry about the past that so many of us have forgotten about what is most important. And that is this moment that we find ourselves in now. And I think about all of the books that I've read and the podcasts I've listened to is everyone says the same thing. As soon as they get out of their way, as soon as they surrender, and whether it, you refer to it as God, divine nature, the universe, what, as long as yeah. it's a, every 12-step program on earth is admitting that you're powerless over whatever it is, and you're turning your will over to that higher power. Uh, I don't know why we have to do it that way. Maybe it's we, we don't really learn the lesson until we actually experience it. And for those that have children, one of the hardest things is to watch your own children repeat your same mistakes. But I'm a big proponent that what one generation doesn't deal with, the next is going to be forced to deal with it. And usually the problems get worse. And no matter how much I say to my 15-year-old son that this is what I experienced, this is the pain I went through, these are the challenges that I went through, ultimately it's his journey and he has to walk it himself, much like the story of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. She was presented with the three worst parts of herself along that path to get to an illusion. Once she saw beyond the veil and beyond the curtain to realize that and being told that she had the power to go home all along. Do you think with today's, I call it societal issues that we're challenged with work ethic and a bunch of other things, there seems to be a lot of victim mentality, at least what I'm seeing from this, the, these next up and coming generations. And there's, I don't know if it's accountability or if it's just a lack of, I don't want to put the work in. I'm not sure where are you at on that and what can we do to work through that? Your concept of victim mentality, cancel, it is rampant and it is, it's a real pandemic. One that is, has crept into almost every corner of our society where no one wants to be responsible for their own problems. And it's yeah. constantly blaming others. And one of the keys with in that is I really believe we've lost compassion 
we've lost empathy. The in the midst of the pandemic three years ago, that that key phrase of we're all in this together and we'll we have to work together. But if anything, it's really separated a humanity from each other, as well as from that collective that we are. It's so easy to yell across the chasm of a canyon at the other side rather than build that bridge, walk to the other side, stand behind the other person and see what they're truly seeing. And on top of that, we can't disagree at all because if you have somebody that disagrees with you, that's the end of the world. And it's whatever happened to, okay, we can disagree and we can move on, but it just doesn't happen anymore. And as, as things progress and we get further and further in the polars on both sides, whether it be political stance, whatever, I don't know how we are able to come back and find the middle and say that this is going to work out and we're going to be able to bridge some of that because ultimately that's going to take a lot of work. And we, and like you said, the pandemic has really taken those polar opposites and made them out there in front of us. And it's in every aspect of our lives. I don't know how it comes back. If it does come back, it's not going to be a pretty journey. It's going to be traumatic. It's going to be painful. My financial career getting near the end, I said often, and I'll say it and I've said it now, is without a global reset, I don't know how we're ever going to get back to the middle. And I think about the financial crisis in the States 2008, I guess it was. Yes. 2008, 2009. Up here in Canada, we didn't learn anything from watching our neighbors to the South because we're in the exact same position right now where debt to income ratio is probably at $1.84 and housing prices have skyrocketed and mortgages are all speculative. And the bubble is about to go. But then I think about the inflation around the world and the economies that are all stretched so thin. What's it going to And now, you know, this week, the last couple of weeks, you've got banks that are starting to fail. Banks that at one point were unbreakable are now at their breaking point. So what is next? Are we going to have a World War III? Are we going to have another Great Depression? I don't know what it is, but we humans are really slow learners because nothing in this world is new. Nothing is something we haven't experienced before. And although we've experienced all of this before, nobody seems willing as a global leader or a leader of a nation, no one seems willing to step into the ring and make the change. And I remember a number of years ago at a conference, economist out of Africa, I really hope I remember the name right, Dembija Moyo, educated in England, but raised in Africa. And her phrase was, the problem with democratic governments is they only care about the next election. They do everything in their power to get elected and then do everything in their power to stay elected. Wherein with autocratic and even communist countries, their leaders don't care about elections because they're really focused on 40 years from now with their children and their grandchildren. And I almost feel like this democratic system we have in a lot of our developed nations is starting to fail us because nothing gets done. All the leaders do is argue about who's right and who's wrong, 
and they spend more time talking about doing a good job than actually doing a good job. So I really do feel like we have gone so far to the other side. And can it go further? Maybe. Is it going to come back to the middle? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to see that in my lifetime. Yeah, I don't know. A good example of that was your guys's uh, with the pandemic, your truckers that shut everything down and Trudeau basically said, nope, sorry, you guys are going to be thrown out. And that's a pretty big red flag of that's going pretty far to that other side. I'm with you. I, I'm not, I, I am not a fan of politicians. Doesn't matter if it's left or right. They're only there for one reason is to benefit themselves. We have to find a way to incentivize them to represent us in a better case to where we can actually get things done. And I agree in the eighties, I'm old enough to remember that Reagan being here in the States as the president, he made it clear that he was going to reach across the aisle and work with the Democrats. We haven't had that in, in many presidents here in the United States, and it's just gotten further, further and further along. And, um, I don't know if it's younger kids or what, but we're starting to see a generation or people here in the States that want to think that, that think communism is a great thing. And they think that it's going to be great for their future. And they don't realize everything they say is going to be scrutinized or shut down. And it's quite funny to hear some of the politicians say that communism needs to come back. And then you have a politician on the other side say, here, I'll give you a ticket to go to Cuba or to Russia or wherever you want to go. And they never take it up. They never take them up on that offer. So why is that? But I guess it's that, that glass house syndrome that. We're also great at throwing rocks in our own situation, but to take the opportunity to actually go and experience what one is wishing for. And I've had the privilege of being able to travel the world and I've been to some really poor countries, communist countries, and it's definitely not a place to be. We have so much freedom here in North America and the key is protecting that freedom. And at the end of the day, in that freedom is also not taken away from us because it is such a slippery slope. It is. And we could go down a whole nother rabbit hole on this topic, but we'll digress here as we're getting to the other side of this. What tell the, the listeners and the viewership, what are you really doing today? What's your passion and what are you doing to help others? My passion today is speaking and writing. And as I said a little bit earlier is my focus has changed. My focus is working with individuals that are going through the worst moments that they think are their life. When people tell me that they discovered their spouse was cheating on them or they were diagnosed with cancer or they got fired or something happened to them, there's a part of me inside that actually gets excited for them because I know that there's a divine message that's trying to speak to them and it's their goal or their role rather to figure out what is the universe trying to get them to do? Because all those stories of success usually start with, I got dumped, I got cheated, but then I met the love of my life. I got fired from my job, but then that forced me to follow my passion. I was diagnosed with cancer, but then that really led me to be a role model for other people that were going through it. So a big part of my coaching is really at that outset of when they are in the middle of suffering, when they are really at their darkest moment, the dark night of the soul, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, 
helping them really manage and mitigate fear because it is fear that paralyzes all growth. It is fear that keeps us small. It is fear that prevents us from actually taking one step forward, putting one foot in front of the other, fear of the unknown, and helping them see how fear has been such a controlling force in their life. To be able to get to that stage where we can find joy, what is that one element of joy that happened as a result of the chaos? What were those good moments? Because if we can really focus on the joy of the pain, then we're able to, how do we really help others? Because if we cannot mature and serve, then what was the point of going through the pain in the first place? And that is a lesson I learned from my father. Here he was a grade six educated man, very overweight. And when he was crushed, he really could not be rehabilitated because there was nothing for him to do. And that was 40 some odd years ago now. And, but he took to volunteering. He took to being involved in as much as he possibly could. But he also took to sharing his story within Alcoholics Anonymous. And I grew up, dad wasn't going to leave me home alone with the babysitter. He would take me to every fun run or a volleyball or wherever he was volunteering was a fundraiser. He would take me there, but he'd also take me to the AA meetings and I'd hear him share his story from an early age. And it, it truly is amazing to see what a smile or a story can do to impact others. And my mom passed five years before my dad did. And when she passed away and at her wake and her funeral, there had to have been 500 to 1,000 people show up. And everyone was there because my father impacted their life. And if we heard from one person that said, your dad helped me move, or your dad helped me do this, or your dad saved my life by talking me off the ledge, it was such a powerful moment. And that's really what I try to encourage others to do is if you've gone through hell and you've spent time in the gutters of life, find, find that one light. And that is every story in all mystical texts through time. It's all about finding the light in the darkness, because if you can find that glimmer of light, that glimmer of hope, and then be able to share it, then your light will help others get through their darkness as well. Yeah. And you can help others impact others. Once you find that it's not, we don't speak about it. We, a lot of society does not speak about this. And it's amazing that we all will go through this journey, but we don't actually say, okay, once we hit that point of being at the bottom, what we can get out of it. And it took me two times to figure it out. And I think I'm on my third run because since I've started refocusing a lot of my efforts into helping others, financial literacy and stuff that we do outside of our real estate investment business, I've also found other ways to impact people through whether it be buying a house, renting, trying to figure out how to get out of a rental. There's so many different things. And it's like, wow, this all came because of what happened to me. And like you said, I don't know if I exactly fought it. I think I tried to tune it out and didn't want to listen. And then all of a sudden I started listening and was open to that change and hearing what needed to happen. And that's when 
stuff started happening and I'm creating a group. I'm looking to put people at my table that have been in the same situation I have or somewhere near that. And we all can make a larger impact on others. And they all, we all have different journeys, but we all have one mission in mind, make the largest impact we possibly can on others and help them through that time of need. A hundred percent. That's awesome. So do you work with everybody? Are you online or, or are you only in Canada? Do you work worldwide? I am on the worldwide web. The <laughs> We're probably of a very similar age and it's just, it's funny again with the teenage son. When I was growing up, I had a Commodore 64 and I remember the, oh, yeah. my teens when dial-up internet became a thing. Yep. Uh, AOL. Yes. So Kevin T. Cahill is my website and I'm on, I'm on the old people, social media networks. I'm not on the Snapchat or, or the Instagram, but can easily be found on the Twitter or the Facebook. And you work with people nationwide or worldwide? I do. The biggest aspect a number of years ago is I created a 90 day online uh, course to help okay. people get through fear and for most individuals, that's all they need is they just need power over themselves. They need power over their emotions and really understanding how fear can keep them small. And thanks to technology, I am able to work remotely and I prefer the in-person, but at the same time, I also know that without technology, it really opens up a much larger world for all of us. That's awesome. We'll link your website and then whatever else you want to link to in the show notes, and we'll make sure people can find you there. Wonderful. Thank you, sir, for coming on. It has been a pleasure speaking to you and hearing your story. It is inspirational, one, but two, very powerful because we all hit that moment in life and you gave us some tools and some expertise how to get off the, the bottom and get back up and start helping others in finding our passion and purpose. Thank you very much, Ryan. It's absolute privilege to have this conversation with you. And I admire the work you're doing as well, because it is through, through stories and shared experiences. That's how we truly find our way in this crazy world we're living in. Thank you. It's an honor. And these are my passions are my, my, my podcasts. And I love getting your message out and other guests message out. I'm just a cog in the wheel that tries to share the messages and help others get to a better place. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well.